I am the first and the last, says the Lord, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The reading comes from chapter 24 of the gospel of Luke, beginning at verse 44. Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins Will be, treat, will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you open the minds of your disciples to understand the scriptures. We pray now, risen Lord Jesus, come and open our minds and our hearts to understand the things you have to say to us from your word and to fill us with joy and peace in believing. For we ask it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. Thursday of this last week was Ascension Day. And that may have passed unnoticed. Maybe not to you, but it certainly passes unnoticed to many people. Unlike some countries, my brother was visiting us from France last week, and in France, Ascension Day is a public holiday. But it goes largely unnoticed here. Ian was speaking about his life as a primary school teacher. Well, it's more than 50 years good bit more than 50 years since I was at primary school. But I went to a Church of England junior school and we loved Ascension Day. We loved Ascension Day because we went to school as normal in the morning and then about mid-morning we left school and were led as a, as a troop 
through the small town where we lived to the Anglican Church, St Mary's, and there we joined in the Ascension Day service. And we loved Ascension Day, not because of Ascension Day service, I don't think we took much of that in, but because after the service, the rest of the day was our own. We had a half-day holiday for Ascension Day. Those days, I think, have disappeared. But what is Ascension Day all about? We understand why, as Christians, we celebrate, we remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ for us, as we shall do so later this evening, and his resurrection from the dead, commemorated here in this wonderful um, embroidery here, that's not the right word, applique here, of the empty tomb. We understand why we will be celebrating next Sunday, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But why should we celebrate Ascension Day? How does that fit into it all? This evening I want to highlight just a few of the things which the Bible has to teach us about the significance of Jesus' ascension into heaven for our encouragement. And first of all, the ascension means that Jesus' atoning work is finished and complete. At the beginning of his letter to the Hebrews, the unknown author writes concerning the Lord Jesus after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus, God's Son, came into this world to save sinners. He spent three years teaching and healing and training his disciples before he was taken and cruelly nailed to that cross at Calvary. And John tells us in his Gospel that there, just before he died, just before he gave up his spirit, he cried out from the cross, It is finished. Not a cry of despair, I am finished, I'm done for but a cry of victory, it is finished. Love's redeeming work is done. He had completed the atoning, the saving work that the Father had sent him into the world to do. And his resurrection from the dead was that seal upon his finished atoning work. He conquered sin and death and has inaugurated the new creation. And for 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom. And then as we read, as Norman read to us this evening, 
as he blessed them, he ascended into heaven. And he is seated at God's right hand in the heavens. As the writer to the letter to the Hebrews says, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The ascension of the Lord Jesus means that his earthly work is done. It is complete. He has done all that is necessary for our sins to be forgiven and atoned for. And we will celebrate that later this evening in the breaking of bread and drinking of wine in remembrance of him. But secondly, by his ascension, Jesus has become our great high priest in the heavens. We read, uh, I asked for Psalm 110 to be read to us. It's a bit of a peculiar psalm in some ways. It's an interesting psalm. It's one that Jesus used to set a riddle for the Jewish leaders. He said to them, how is it that you say that the Messiah is David's son when David called him Lord? And he's quoting from this psalm, Psalm 110. The Lord says, says uh, David, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. Jesus has been exalted into heaven to become our great high priest in the heavens. That psalm goes on to speak about the way in which Jesus has been made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Another thing that the writer of the letter to the Hebrews loves to pick up this strange character, Melchizedek. Jesus is at God's right hand in the heavens and he's there interceding for us as our great high priest. Under the old covenant, the high priest once a year would offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people on the Day of Atonement and take blood into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. The only time any human being was allowed into that most holy place. They did it again and again, but Jesus, our great high priest, having offered himself as a sacrifice for sin, has gone into the presence of God on our behalf, as our great eternal high priest, to intercede for us in the courts of heaven. And the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says this, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. What a wonderful thought. Jesus 
is there tonight at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. He's praying for each one of us. And because he does that, we will be brought safe at last to glory. He is always, we are always, on his mind and in his heart. And he intercedes for us. He has entered into the presence of God on our behalf to prepare a place for us. And he will bring us at last safe to glory. Thirdly, the ascension of the Lord Jesus is his coronation or enthronement. We read, Norman read to us from Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father, not just for you and for me. He is that, and we praise him for it. But he has a far bigger plan. He is there at the right hand of the Father, enthroned as Lord of all creation, as King over all the earth, whether people recognise it or not. And he will reign at God's right hand until every knee is brought to bow before him. The crucified carpenter of Nazareth is God's anointed king. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians that because Jesus died for us, gave himself for us, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ reigns and is bringing in his kingdom and one day all will recognise him as king. Not just that, but it is God's purpose and plan, says Paul in Ephesians, to bring all things in heaven and earth under the dominion of the Lord Jesus. To bring all of creation back into submission to him. All creation will be restored to its created purpose and glory. Jesus' ascension marks his coronation, the beginning of his reign, and the promise of that completion of his reign. You know, human leaders sometimes do not live up to their expectations. 
We've seen, sadly, Mrs May fail to deliver the one thing on her heart and having to stand down. But we have one who is enthroned in the heavens, whose kingdom cannot fail and whose purposes will succeed. We can have the highest confidence and hopes for King Jesus. And fourthly, the ascension was essential to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that they should be glad he was going to leave them. don't think they quite understood that one. But he said they should be glad that he was going to leave them because he was returning to the Father and would ask the Father to send them another counsellor who would be with them forever the Holy Spirit. Peter told the crowds on the day of Pentecost that it was because Jesus, who they crucified, was risen and now exalted to the right hand of God that he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. The ascension of the Lord Jesus was essential to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Or to put it the other way round, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we will celebrate next week, is the demonstration and confirmation that Jesus Christ is ascended Lord over all the universe. The Spirit poured out is the means by which the ascended Christ is bringing men and women to bow the knee to him and own him as Lord. Or to put it yet another way, the ascension gives us a job to do. When Jesus ascended into heaven, Luke tells us at the beginning of the book of Acts, that the disciples stood there gazing into heaven. Open-mouthed. Luke doesn't say that, but I think that's what it was. They were open-mouthed, gazing after him. And two angels had to come and say to them, what on earth are you doing now? I paraphrase slightly. The angels told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Spirit, because they've got a job to do. Why are you standing around gazing into heaven? You've got jobs to do. And because Jesus is ascended into heaven, and will reign until all the world comes to recognise him as king, because he has poured out the Spirit for that purpose, we have a job to do. We have a job to do in telling the world that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Saviour of the world, the risen and coming King, and that they should recognise that he is Lord and bow 
the knee to him. We have a vital task to do in serving the ascended Lord, in making his kingdom come. We have the task, as we've been reminded tonight, of praying for his kingdom to come. But our prayers also have to be given legs as we, equipped by the Spirit, tell others of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And fifthly and lastly, you'll be pleased to hear, I'm sure there are many more points, but this is my last one. The ascension is the guarantee that Jesus will come again. The angels told the disciples, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1, that this Lord Jesus, whom they had seen go into heaven, will come again in like manner. Jesus, think about it for a moment, rose bodily from the dead. And there is a little bit of earth already made fully new and in the presence of God in glory as an anticipation of the day when Christ will return and make all things new. Anticipation of the day when all creation will be suffused with the glory of the living God. when the very creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and join in the freedom and glory of the children of God. Jesus' ascension into heaven is the promise and guarantee that he will come again to make all things new. that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. The ascension of Christ, then, should prompt us to worship him. It should encourage us to serve him in the work of the kingdom, and it should fill us with hope as we look for and long for the day of his coming. We're going to move into a time of prayer now, including our prayers of intercession. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him who came into the world to save sinners, who gave himself for us at the cross, who rose victorious from the dead, and who is now ascended on high and reigns at your right hand. We thank you that he intercedes for us 
and because of his intercession for us, we can come before you this evening in and through his precious name and know that you hear and answer our prayers and that you will never turn us away. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people who are filled with a sense of wonder at all that Christ has done for us and who are equipped by your Spirit to do the work the Saviour has entrusted to us as his ambassadors, servants of the King of Kings, making him known. Lord, use us. Use our prayers. Use our words. Use our lives to testify to the Lord Jesus and to draw many others to him we pray. Lord, we pray for our country at this time in its confusion and its chaos. Lord, it grieves us to see our nation and our society so divided one against another. People determined to have their own way. We pray, Lord, for your people to be an influence for peace and reconciliation in our divided land, we pray, and in our divided world. Help us to be bringers of peace. We pray for the process of finding a new leader for the Conservative Party. Pray, Lord, for unity there and for wisdom and for someone who can lead with wisdom and insight. Lord, we don't envy them, whoever they may be. We pray, Lord, for Christians in Parliament and in government. Give them humility and make them a witness to the government of the King of Kings, which is a government of grace, a government that brings blessing. We pray, Lord, for these few days ahead of us when President Trump is visiting, when there seems to be so much scope for discord and trouble. We pray there also that you would help there to be peace in our land. Lord, we pray. For those who will lead countries to be statespeople who seek to serve and not to glorify themselves. 
Lord, we pray for our young people at this time as we enter the exam season with many facing different exams and perhaps fears of how they will do, worries about their future. We pray that you would calm our young people, help them to remember the things that they have learnt and to do their best. Give them a sense of peace and we pray for our Christian young people that they may know that you are with them in it all, that your hand is on them, whatever the outcome. Bless them, we pray. Make us faithful in our prayers for them. So bless us as a community of your people, Lord. Bless us in this week of prayer. Help us to be a people who unite in prayer before your throne, coming in the name of the risen and ascended Lord, and knowing that he has all power in heaven and on earth, and can do more than we ask or imagine. Give us that confidence in our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.